church. We're so glad to see you here this morning, whether you're here in person or joining us on live stream. Um, not a whole lot of announcements, but I wanted to point out the ways to give slide that's going to pop up here. Um, there's three different ways you can do that, and there are lots of different ways that God can bless that and use it. Um, and it's just one way that we can show Him our faith in Him and trust Him in that way. And the only other announcement I have is just uh, want to lift up our some students that we have on a mission trip in Oklahoma City. They just left, I believe, today or recently. And um, so just want to just want to join us, join me in a time of prayer this morning for them and uh, the work that they're going to do um, in, in his name. So join me in prayer really quick. Lord, we just um, thank you so much for the hearts of these students and their willingness to go and serve you, God. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help them to love you more and uh, that in doing so, they would their eyes would be opened to see uh, the hurting and the broken um, and the lost and that they could just make your love so, so present um, in, in what they do on this trip. So be with them, Lord. Help them uh, to be safe in their travels and as they serve you, and we lift them up in your son's name. Amen. Let's, let's, let's continue to worship in that name this morning. Our God is strong in battle. Our God can never fail. Through him all chains are broken. In him the sick are healed. In the name of Jesus, giants are defeated. Every sin mountain has to move you're faithful to your promise you finish what you started there is none as powerful as you
Let's turn and uh, say hi to someone this morning. before my eyes 
So we have one more song that we're going to sing, um, and then we're going to head into a time of communion. And as we sing this song, I just invite you to draw near to the cross. It's on the screens. It's on the walls. I, just, I pray that it would be pressed on the front of your mind and in your hearts at all times, and especially right now, you know, not just in communion, because really we need to draw near to the cross every single second of our day and our lives because that's where we that's where we get life through his death and his resurrection and Natalie had a chance to serve at, at camp this week and the theme was God cleans up our life is messy but God cleans up that mess right and I just the cross is such a beautiful simple image that we have to to fix our eyes on and to draw near to when life is messy because we know that in our weakness, he is stronger. Amen. Isn't that true? In our weakness, he is stronger. And, and in that, he cleans up our mess every single day. We can do that every single second. It doesn't just have to be right now in communion, but as we go into this next song in this time of communion, I just pray that you would lean in on him. His love never fails. He never, he never stops. Has no condition. And that's it's so amazing. So just praise him for that this morning and lean in on the cross.
Well, good morning, Southwoods. It's good to see you this morning. It's uh, wonderful to worship together and uh, enjoy your uh, smiling faces and get to greet some of you this morning. Uh, before I dive into my message this morning, I want to have a little missions moment. And Adam, Namisha, wherever you happen to be here in the room, if you guys come on up here. Adam and Misha Hutchinson uh, are in town with us this weekend. They've been in the Philippines uh, for quite a while at this point. And uh, I want to give you a chance just to see them real fast. Uh, we're going to ask a couple questions. They're going to respond. Uh, we'll pray for them, then I'll dive into my message time. But I wanted you, scoot over this way. I won't bite, I promise. Uh, just wanted to uh, give you guys a chance to see them, and hopefully afterwards, if you have any questions, want more information or whatever, uh, need to join their email list so you can be praying for them and so forth. You can see them afterwards, know who you're looking for. So uh, welcome, uh, guys. It's great to have you here. here. What have you been doing in the Philippines? Why don't you tell everybody? Because we, we send money to them routinely. So just want you, to, want you to know. So we work for a ministry called Student Mobilization, and we work with university students. And so what we do is we befriend college students. We share the gospel with them. We have Bible studies. Um, once they come to faith in Jesus, then we establish them in the basics of the Christian faith. We equip them to do ministry wherever God would call them uh, beyond the college campus whenever they graduate. So whether they're a teacher or a nurse or uh, a pastor or a missionary, we hope to give them the basic tools while they're in college. And just as an example um, of how many Filipinos go beyond the, the country of the Philippines, um, we're doing a summer project right now online with our students while they're in the Philippines and while we're in the U.S. And we have eight small group leaders led by, uh, so eight small groups led by students. So the students are leading these small groups. And I was sitting in on one of these small groups a couple weeks ago, and uh, one of the students was in Saudi Arabia on an internship. I was in the U.S., and one of our students who was leading the small group was in the Philippines. And so we had to find a time, my morning, Saudi Arabia, uh, afternoon and then the Philippines night where we could all get together and uh, talk about the scriptures together. So Filipinos are going um, everywhere and um, you know even some of them hopefully as they graduate they can take Jesus um, through, throughout the Philippines but also to the world. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> particularly one of the things we've learned is just it's one of the best ways to influence the Middle East in particular. It's kind of like you and I can't go there without being unnoticed but you know people from uh, some of these other cultures uh, when they come to Christ, they can go to these places that are truly, you know, the seedbeds of uh, some of the hatred and violence and stuff that's going on in our world. And it's one of the best ways to make a difference. And so appreciate that you guys are doing that. Tell us about how you did with COVID, because everybody's yeah, wondering that. I'm sure about as great as you guys did. <laughs> but uh, we were in hard lockdown for 14 months. Um, so we just got back two months ago. And so hard lockdown meant... Um, one person per household was allowed to leave the neighborhood for only necessities, so grocery store or pharmacy. So we kind of fought over whose name was going to go on that pass, right? Um, and under age 21 could not leave the neighborhood or a lot of times their house. So at one point we were confined to our house in our driveway. So driveway became the everything. <laughs> Run in circles, exercise, and we have a one-year-old, almost two-year-old. So you can imagine how that went. Um, the schools have been locked down since March um, 2020 and have never gone back. I know here in the States, kind of bounce back and forth depending on the school district, but um, they're still 100% virtual. And so luckily we had been there three years already and had a lot of virtual relationships. So that's kind of what lockdown looked like for us. A lot of time together, um, we were separated from the rest of our team because we were in a different neighborhood. So can ask us about the psychological things that happened later. So yeah, 
we're, we're glad to have the land of the free here in America for us. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and next time you get frustrated about having to wear a mask when you go in someplace, just be thankful that it's not hard lockdown because uh, it could be worse. Uh, some, you know, some of us, we, we get fuzzy in our head about this stuff. So just kind of just be thankful. Just be thankful. Yeah, face shields. Yeah. You're on a plane wearing a face shield. Yeah, so, you, you know, that's, photo yeah as well as masks and face shields in some of these places. So uh, uh, how can we be praying for you? Yeah, well, I just wanted to say thank you, first of all, that you guys have been praying for us. Um, we can definitely tell when brothers and sisters in Christ are praying for us, and we need it just as much as, you know, the next person. So I just wanted to say thank you. Um, one specific thing that you could be praying for us is we're hoping to go back the second week of August. Right now, the Philippines' borders are locked down to all foreigners. We're in the exemption process, so be praying for that. It's unclear how long that exemption process is, um, so be praying for that. Um, and then... Uh, on August 1, they're going to release some new government regulations. We'll be praying for that August 1 date, so they might let us in at that point. So. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll be praying for that. If people want to stay in touch with you, which I'm sure some of our folks will want to, mm -hmm. uh, how do they do that? So we've got a little section back here. There's a little sign-up. If you want our monthly email letters, you can sign your email up, and we'll send you some updates. You can be praying for us um, month by month. And there's also uh, kind of a trifold that gives a little update of what the last year looked like for us in the Philippines. So check it out. Yeah, I encourage you to sign up for that. You know, if, if you're at all like me, you get going busy and you kind of forget things, and that, that email reminder is just an opportunity to go, oh, that's right, Adam and Misha are in the Philippines. And so you can pause and you can just begin to pray for them and kind of brings it back to awareness. And, you know, over the next few weeks as time passes, you know, it's, it starts out here and then, it, you know, my awareness does this over time, but then the email comes and brings me back. So uh, if you're like me and need that, uh, make sure and stop back by there, grab them, and they'd be happy to. Let's lift them up in prayer real quick, and let's bow our heads and join me in that if you would. Thank you, Father, for Adam and Misha, for Atlas, their son, and uh, for their family. I know they've got some family here. May you bless them, Father, for uh, sharing Adam and Misha with uh, another part of the world and people that uh, they don't even know. And God, I just ask for uh, Adam and Misha, ask for protection, for guidance, for wisdom, for strength and patience. Ask, Father, for um, you know, divine encounters with, with people there, people who need Christ, who need Jesus, and uh, because of them, will come in contact with you. So, God, I just ask that you'd orchestrate the relationships of their lives and superintend over that in, in ways that, that not even COVID could interrupt. God, only you could do that. And I just pray, Father, that uh, this exemption will be approved and that regardless of what happens with some of the laws, changes that are being released August 1, we just pray that one of the things that will be released even before then is their approval to go back and uh, for uh, just your spirit to, uh, to build and influence uh, their lives and ministry efforts into uh, the students that you bring into their lives. I pray for little Atlas, Lord, just ask that you watch over him, give him health and strength and long life. And thank you, Father, for for just all that you are doing in his life and all that you have in, plan, have in mind for him. It's not a coincidence that he was born into their family and he's, his earliest of years are in the Philippines, God. Uh, just ask that you'd watch over him, protect him, and that your, uh, that your vision and plan for his life would come to full fulfillment. And uh, just pray for, just thank you for these two. Pray for your blessing on them. We lift them together. And everybody agreed with me. Uh, lift them up to Jesus, and everybody agreed and said, Amen. 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 So thanks, guys. Love you guys. Continue to pray for you. Give them a round of applause for you.
Always uh, one of the highlights for me personally is just seeing some of our ministry partners and some of the places that they're serving, things they're doing for God, and uh, just invite you to keep them uh, forefront in your mind as best you can with the wacky lives uh, that we all live. I don't know about you, but I've made a few serious errors in my life uh, as I was contemplating some of those. I was thinking back to one of the early ones that is really vivid in my mind. I was in ninth grade. Uh, I played quarterback for a football team at the time. Believe it or not, I was, I was like a stud back then. Uh, not a big one, but I was a stud. Uh, anyway, one, uh, one day uh, we were practicing, though, and I forgot my mouthpiece, which uh, in hindsight was not a brilliant move. But everything was going fine through practice until uh, we ran a trick play. And in this particular play, I pitched out to our running back who went this way, and I sort of did a, a bootleg roll out this way. And as he got over there, you know, faking the, the sweep, he stopped and pivoted and threw the ball back to me. And being the stud receiver that I was, I was just like, it was, I, was, I was running this way, crossing line of scrimmage, heading down the sideline. It was coming, it was coming, it was coming. And it was right here, the ball was right here, just as the safety showed up to blow it all up and his head, his helmet came right through my hands, the ball up under my chin and I bit through my tongue and blood went everywhere. And I know some of you are gross right now, which is exactly what I was going for. It's just grossed out by that. It was, I'm just messing with you, it, but, but it, was, it was horrible. It was, it was a mess and I spent several weeks recovering from that. It was uh, in hindsight, in my uh, junior high years, one of, one of my uh, pretty serious errors that could have been a lot more uh, serious than it turned out to be, considering that what do I do for a living? I speak. I mean, this is what God's gifted me to do, called me to do. And so uh, it, was a, it was a big, big deal in hindsight. Uh, as I was kind of describing this, working on this message, uh, you know, finishing it up yesterday, I was kind of telling Lori what I was doing at the beginning. She said, couldn't you have found a more recent example of serious error in your life? <laughs> And I told her, I said, I said, honey, I, I, I can't, but what, 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 what serious error comes to your mind? And she couldn't think of one. No, actually, she was distracted at that moment, and uh, thankfully so. But uh, there's, the truth is, I've made no shortage of, of uh, significant errors in my life, and, and we all make errors, right? Every one of us. I mean, some of them we see coming, and we, like, willingly do something boneheaded and then other instances it's something that just blindsides us you know kind of like we get hit in the jaw you know and blood, you know, blood goes everywhere and you're like what was I thinking uh, it, it happens to all of us this kind of thing but the truth is some errors are more serious have longer lasting consequences than other think others think about it Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the trickle down of that was pretty dramatic wouldn't you say Adam followed Eve's example rather than God's instruction. Pretty major significant implications to that. You can go back, Cain killed Abel, Judas betrayed Jesus, on and on we can go. These kinds of instances, countless errors have been made, some in the Bible, most not, truthfully, because got 7 billion people running around on the planet, all of us making errors. All of us make them. But what would you say, if I were to tell you that there's a way to avoid most of them? None of us is going to avoid all of them. But most of us can avoid at least 
the biggies, some of the big serious ones. What would you say if that was okay? Would you be interested in knowing more? I think most of us would. Jesus addresses how to avoid life's serious errors repeatedly throughout the course of his life, but in one instance, he does it really specifically, really directly in a conversation that he had with some, some uh, Sadducees, some of the religious leaders of his day. Some of you are thinking, who are the Sadducees? And they were the religious, priestly, temple aristocracy of his day. I mean, these were the, these were the bigwigs. These were the ones that, like pulling a lot of the strings, the purse strings behind the scenes of the temple in Jesus' day. And one of the things that's significant that you know about the Sadducees is this. They did not believe in angels or demons. They didn't believe that there was a final judgment coming. They didn't believe, did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And pretty much the only part of the Bible that they paid attention to was Genesis through Deuteronomy. And let me just say, they didn't pay close attention to that because they didn't believe in angels or demons or the final judgment or the resurrection of the dead, right? So Genesis through Deuteronomy is pretty much the only portion of the Old Testament that they recognized in their time. Other parts existed by Jesus' day. They just, didn't, they just sort of ignored from Ruth all the way to Malachi. They just sort of ignored that part, didn't feel like it was inspired or whatever. I want you to keep in mind what they did not believe. They didn't believe in angels or demons, final judgment, resurrection of the dead, and only Genesis through Deuteronomy was, was inspired by, the, by their way of thinking. Keep that in mind as we listen to what Jesus says in the biblical record, Mark chapter 12, verses 18 and following. You can follow along in your Bible. You can follow along on the screen uh, with me if you would. Scripture says, Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. So the Bible even itself clarifies this part, and it does in other places the other things. But anyway, they pose this question. Teacher, Moses gave us a law that if a man dies leaving a wife, uh, leaving a wife without children, his brother should marry the widow and have children who will carry on the brother's name. Well, suppose there were seven brothers. Now, don't, don't you love these kind of questions? You know, it's just kind of like, you just, by this time, you just know this is going sideways here. Suppose there were seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children. So the second brother married the widow, and then he also died without children. Then the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them, and still there were no children. Last of all, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. Jesus replied, your mistake is, he, notice he doesn't even answer their question. Okay, notice what he does. Verse 24. Your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they'll be like the angels in heaven. But now, as to whether the dead will be raised, haven't you ever read about this in the writings of Moses in the story of the burning bush? Now, what, what, what's... What's the writings of Moses? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Five books that they believe are inspired. He says, haven't you ever read about this in the writings of Moses in the story of the burning bush? Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living not the dead. You, he says, have made a serious error. 
I don't know if it would affect you the same way as it does me, but how would you feel to have Jesus look at you and say, you have made a serious error? That would, that would get your attention, don't you think? I mean, it, it, would, it would rattle you a little bit. In reality, though, Jesus was being gracious because the Sadducees made multiple errors in judgment here. I mean, it wasn't just really one. I mean, error number one, they're posing trick questions attempting to stump Jesus, God in the flesh. That's not exactly brilliant. It just isn't. Never underestimate God's intelligence. Jesus was God in the flesh. But I want you to think about this. How many times are we or others in our community culture tempted to underestimate God's intelligence, His brilliance, His wisdom about the way things are or how they came to be or what's important for our lives? Or, I mean, is this not human nature in many respects to question not just your parents or not just other significant people in your life, but God Himself? Sadducees were making an error there, and sadly, sometimes we're tempted to do the same. Sadducees made a second serious error as you look at the text. They, they, they believed there was no resurrection from the dead, and they believed that there were no angels. And, and Jesus indirectly went, well, he was direct in one part, went directly after one of those issues and indirectly addressed the other one. If you look at what he has to say in verses 25 and following, look at how Jesus responds to this one more time. He says to them, for when the dead rise. Notice he didn't say if the dead rise. He wasn't politically correct, like giving the person the benefit of the doubt. He's not saying, well, maybe if the dead rise. He just says, when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like who? The angels in heaven. I mean, in one, you know, basically one sentence here, he starts to blow up two of their pillar worldviews. One is that the resurrection is not real. He just says, no, when the resurrection happens. And he says, you know, they'll be like the angels. He's going after another one here is what he's doing. And then uh, he goes on and says, verse 26, but now as to whether the dead will be raised, haven't you ever read about this in the writings of Moses? I just, I can't get over him. I'm, the mercy, the grace, shall we say the accommodation of God to meet them where they are. He could have quoted Isaiah 26. He could have quoted other passages from Job and other places. But what's he do? He goes to, I mean, by our way of thinking, a relatively obscure verse. But he, he, he quotes Exodus 3.6 is where he's quoting, speaking from here when he says, as to whether the dead will be raised, haven't you ever read about this in the writings of Moses in the story of the burning bush? Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said to Moses, and this is Exodus 3, 6, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's the God of the living, not the dead. You have made a serious error. It just speaks to his nature. You know, his nature is not to... I mean, it's just really not to blast us, to not to point out every flaw, every mistake in our lives, every error. He's grace-filled about it even here. He, he limits his, his teaching and quotation to the passage, that, the part that they feel is inspired even, which is more gracious than I would have been if I was in his place, you know? I just, I'm just not wired like that naturally. 
You know why these errors and others that I've already highlighted were not avoided by the Sadducees? You know why they didn't, uh, why they kind of got trapped? Error number three that Jesus points out, this is really the, the crux of the whole matter. It's in verse 24. This is the verse that everything else pivots on, sort of hinges on. Mark 12, 24, Jesus replies, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Say that with me. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Say it with me one more time. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. I'm quite sure that some of us have read these verses before and blown right through that verse in particular and thought, that's interesting, and we just keep going. And yet Jesus, in this verse, in verse 24, is revealing to all who will slow down long enough to pay attention, you know, the, the crux, I mean, the, the way to avoid an awful lot of errors in life. The key to avoiding them, to not making the mistake, the mistake of the Sadducees and, and so many people of us in life, is to, we've got to know the scriptures and we've got to come to know the power of God in our lives. And I'm not just saying know about the power of God, we've got to come to know and experience the power of God in our lives. I spent a lot of time in my life reflecting on how... Uh, so many of life's serious errors could be avoided if we knew the scriptures and if we truly knew the power of God in our lives. You know how many errors could be avoided? Most of them. Most of the biggies. During my years in ministry, which I've been in ministry a lot of years at this point, I, I periodically asked people, you know, what are some of life's most serious errors? Because it helps me just stay in touch and reflect and, and, um, and just know where people are, what's going on, and you know, how the culture is shifting and so forth. And I want to share with you for the next few minutes what people have told me they think are some of life's most serious errors over the years. I mean, as I've just sort of, in some instances over the years, years past, specifically polled people and then just randomly on, uh, on the fly doing this, I've had people tell me a lot, of, a lot of errors, and what I want to do for the next couple of minutes is just highlight really fast ten of them. Ten, not five, ten. Ten of the serious errors of life that if we knew Scripture and if we understood and embraced, recognized, knew the power of God, could be dramatically different. And just see if any of this has relevance to you, and what I'd say, there are going to be more errors than I'm going to, to highlight this morning, which you'll feel good about because there's a lot more. But um, my question and encouragement to you is, you know, take advantage of what Jesus is telling us here. Whatever is going on in your life, it's, it's key. First, in no, no particular order. Ten of life's serious errors, one of which is prejudging people. Another word we use is prejudice having prejudice toward people, evaluating them, judging them on the basis of skin color, or ethnic heritage, or appearance, or education. And what would happen is if we knew our Bible, if we understood Scripture as it is reflected in Scripture, we would know that, guess what, who created every man, woman, child on the planet in its beginning? Who? 
God. We are, we are made in the image of God. Every one of us bleeds red for a reason. <laughs> because we're all the same. Think of the old song. You know, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Loves them all. There are no exceptions to that. Loves everyone. In God's eyes, Samaritans matter, Jews matter, Gentiles, which is Gentile? Anybody who's not a Jew. We all matter. Everybody matters to God. He does not prejudge people, and his expectation is that we who follow him, if we read this book, that we imitate him in this respect. And yet, there are plenty of people in our culture who have done that. Oddly enough, some in leadership positions in our world are doing it at this juncture, trying to pit races and people against each other. To the extent they're doing that, guess what? Don't follow them. Don't follow them. It's not wise. It will lead to a serious error. Things that can't be easily undone. If we knew the scriptures as they're written, you'd understand that this is a serious error. It's a serious error, and it's being made in big ways in our culture right now. Don't give in to it. Another serious life's serious errors is unwillingness to learn from others' mistakes. Some of us are stubborn. We've got to create our own mistakes, make our own mistakes. But, but the truth is, we would be wise if we would just humble ourselves and learn from others' mistakes. It's an error to not be willing to do that. You realize that the Bible is full of people, think about it, who've made mistakes. I mean, they're graphic, some of them. Graphic mistakes. They've made mistakes with regard to marriage, sexuality, uh, you know, money, uh, you know, just every, every aspect of life that you can imagine, they've, they've made it here. I mean, it's just phenomenal the degree of specificity and detail that's here. Why would God record all of that for us? Not because He wants to, us to imitate their mistakes. He does it because His great longing is that we will avoid the mistakes that those who've gone before have made. And if we know this book, we can learn from their mistakes and make other choices. The other thing that's significant about it is that if you know this book and you know the mistakes that other people have made, you also, in the process, learn something about God and you see how God has the power to heal, to forgive, to transform. And what He did for them, He can do for you. It's important. It's important that we grasp that. We also learn in this that there are some of the folks who have done things that God was particularly offended by and wasn't so quick to show mercy toward. What would those who are willing to learn from the mistakes of the past do if they were to analyze some of those stories? They'd be wise if they look at it and go, hmm, God didn't take that one quite the same. Maybe as he was then, he would be today and maybe someday. This is, this is key, understanding, knowing the Bible and knowing and understanding the power of God. It, it, it's the key to avoiding some of the great mistakes of life. Third mistake, 
living beyond our means. I mean, if you read Scripture, it's so clear, you know, that deep indebtedness is going to be a problem. It's so important to understand. You know, the Bible tells us how to handle our money, how to, how to give, how to invest, how to, how to save, how to do all these kinds of things and various other things. It tells us a lot about that. Learn how to, how to be generous and how you cannot outgive God. And that in part of the, that process is we learn the power and presence of God, even as it relates to financial things. It'll change a person's life when, as they begin to, to comprehend this. It'll help us to avoid some serious errors in life if we can take the scriptures seriously about it. Fourth of life's serious errors that people have told me over the years, choosing the wrong marriage partner. We've all seen it. Some of us have experienced it. It's unfortunately way too common in our culture, but the Bible tells us, it kind of helps us understand what to look for in a husband or a wife-to-be. It just opens our eyes to that sort of stuff. And what we don't know or take seriously about those things can and probably will bite us at some point. We need to take it seriously. The Bible can help us with that. And here's the other aspect. If you've married the person that maybe you shouldn't have, you look at Scripture, there's plenty of people who married people that after the fact they thought, what was I doing? I mean, you see that in Scripture over and over and over again. In fact, it's, it's kind of therapeutic and help, helpful to all of us to go, wow, there are a lot of marriages that were really rocky in Scripture. What's the benefit there? You can look at those instances, and many times you can see how God brought about transformation in the heart of another person. He can do it in you. He can do it in the other person. It's important. We've got to know what Scripture says to get in on the right kind of relationship and avoid the wrong kind of relationship, and we got to trust in the power of God to see transformation through in the right time. But it's one of life's serious errors that is very common, choosing the wrong person. Another of life's serious errors, fifth one, for those of you who are counting, fifth. Uh, failing to teach your children to respect you and others when they're young. I've had people tell me that many times. How is that? I mean, it's because by the time they get to be teenagers, guess what? You're in trouble. If you haven't taught them respect by then, you're in deep weeds. And the fact is, the Bible teaches to start that when they're young, when they're young. Like this, like little atlas. I wish we had a little atlas up here. Like a year and a half. And uh, you kind of get them in that stage, and now, now you begin to teach them values. And one of those values is, is respect to respect their elders. It's complicated in our day, I understand, because there are plenty of elders that you look at the things they're teaching, saying, doing, and you go, I don't respect that. That's not in alignment with my values. And, and certainly, I, where they're contrary to Scripture, I hope that you have the wisdom to recognize that the path is not to make, you know, being silent about your values is not what you need to do, you and me. I mean, we need to be open and honest with our kids from the earliest of ages we can. But uh, if we can begin to teach them respect in an early, early age, it'll make a difference. And the Bible tells us how to do that. Your children's ministry will help you with that. Maybe you've got children, maybe you've got grandkids, whatever. Let us partner with you in that. Uh, we had students, kind of like Wesley mentioned earlier, we had students in, you know, on a mission trip 
Uh, it's been complicated. Last year, a commission trip was canceled because of COVID. This year, it's still tangled up because of COVID. We were going to go to, first we were going to go to Guatemala, then we were going to go to Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, and now we're in Oklahoma City because every place along the way, there were COVID-related restrictions that complicated participation in those places. So we're in inner city Oklahoma City is where our students are. Yay them, but why, why do we do those kind of things? Because there are formative character, spiritual transformations, lessons that our students learn in those kind of contexts that they don't get if we just went to inner city Kansas City. And guess what? They do go to inner city Kansas City. But they need some of these other places too. And some of us have students. You've got to get them to these things. You've got to do it. It's part of teaching respect, part of teaching biblical, godly worldview and values. It's part of how you avoid one of the life's serious errors as our kids growing up and not knowing these things. We've got to help them know their Bible. We've got to help them learn to experience the power of God in their lives. Sixth uh, of life's serious errors that uh, people talk to me about over the years is turning to drugs or alcohol during difficult times. Can't tell you how many times I hear this. Uh, you know, what happens is something goes wrong in life, we lose a job, uh, we got some other complication, and what do we do? You know, a glass of wine for dinner becomes a string of glasses of wine, becomes a case of wine, now becomes add vodka to that, and various other things. And the truth of the matter is, you say, well, I'm not hurting anybody. Yes, you are, you're hurting yourself. And I can guarantee you from both experience and just relationships with so many of you over the years, you are comprom compromising and complicating the lives of people who care about you. It is screwing up your life, some of us. It is not wise to turn to drugs or alcohol instead of to the power of God for comfort, for guidance, for boldness. It's just like Jesus is saying, you know, your big mistake here, your big mistake is that you don't know the scriptures really, very thoroughly, and you don't know the power of God in your life. I mean, you may know about it, but you need to experience it. One of life's serious errors is on the rise in our culture during COVID, drug and alcohol use. Part of it is just availability. I mean, every place you go, I mean, we're traveling a little bit here recently and, uh, you know, CBD coffee and I mean, it's just, they're putting stuff in everything now, spiking everything. Just be wise about it. Be wise. Do you really need that? More could be said, but thankfully I won't say more. Uh, you know the drift. Life serious error seven, unforgiveness in marriage and with your kids, with your parents, generally speaking, just unforgiveness, period. It is a huge serious error in life and way too common. What do we do? Somebody hurts us even deeply and what... We just allow hardness of heart to govern the way we relate toward them from that day forward. There's a word for that in Scripture. It's called bitterness. And the consequence of bitterness is eventually it leads to revengeful actions, 
toward people, or it leads to internalizing all of that and just the buildup of toxin, you know, toxic thoughts and emotions in our spirit and in our bodies that will eventually compromise our health and our emotional, spiritual well-being. Every one of us is tempted in this way because we live in a fallen world where people hurt each other and don't apologize. You can carry around the unforgiveness. It's a choice God's given you, but it doesn't lead to life. Love, forgiveness, these kinds of things lead to life. And who more would God want us to, to love than parents, spouses, our children, total strangers. I mean, Jesus died. While you and I were yet sinners, Jesus died on the cross. Why? So we could be forgiven. This is what he did. We didn't deserve it. We weren't apologetic toward him for the things we'd done at that point. Um, just calls us to both know what the scripture says and recognize and value the power of God, in this case, the forgiveness of God. Number eight, life's serious errors, allowing the mistakes of the past to define your present and your future. How common is this? It's everywhere, and yet the Bible teaches a concept called grace, and it's more than just a concept, it's the way God relates to you and me. It's like he recognizes that we're flawed or something. It's like he meets us where we are and accommodates our sin. Not so that we can just keep sinning, but because he recognizes that if we're ever going to change course, he's got to give us a little margin, a little space. He's got to show us some grace. And this is what he does. He doesn't define our present or our future by the mistakes we've made in the past. He says, no, I'm going to wash you in the blood of the lamb. I'm going to point you in a new direction. I'm calling you to follow in the footsteps of my son, Jesus. And if you will do that, you can become a new creation in Christ Jesus, is what Scripture teaches us. You will be a new person. Not because you deserve it. And oh, if it was only immediate, you know, in the sense that like everything about my life is transformed instantaneously. That would be wonderful, but guess what? It is a process by which you and I walk that out over time in partnership hand-in-hand hand with Jesus in our lives as we learn what this book teaches us and put it into practice and in the process discover the power of God is present in our lives. As we do that, our future changes. And one day, God will look at us and say, you know, you used to be an angry vengeful person but now you're filled with love and grace and mercy you show people second chances third chances fourth chances you used to be this kind of person but now you're this kind of person and it's not because of really anything you individually independent of god did it's because god's presence and power in your life has been demonstrated as you have learned what he teaches us to do in this book and done it step by step by step Number nine, life's serious errors, is failing to recognize that God is behind all of life, not chance. 
All you do have to do is you know, take a trip to the mountains or the ocean, go someplace, and you see beauty. Beauty doesn't happen. Didn't happen in my kids' bedrooms accidentally when they were growing up. You know what I'm saying? What happens accidentally? Chaos. Chaos, destruction. We got order and beauty in our world. Why? Because there's a real God. And we live in a day when many college professors will tell you as a young person who are students stepping into their room, say, well, that's, uh, you, that's not God. That's not evidence of God. They'll tell you, that's evidence of aliens. That's what it is. More and more, this is what it is. We have government now trying to pitch this idea. And they're... Air Force pilots that show UFOs and stuff, and we're all trying to figure out, you know, where's all this stuff? Why has this all been underground and now it's coming out and blah, blah, blah. Has anybody noticed this besides me? Come, come on, are you with me? I mean, we're all looking at this and going, we live in a wacky time. Do we not? It's a wacky time. We'll believe in aliens and extraterrestrials before we'll believe in a God that, who could create all of them. I've been thinking about doing a message, parenthetical thought. I throw it out here. You let me know what you think about this. I'm thinking about doing a message on what does the Bible say about UFOs and extraterrestrials and some of this. If you would like me to do that, let me know. Okay? Because if you'd like me to do it, if enough of you, I'll maybe do a Sunday morning message on it. If you know a handful of you say something to me, uh, do say something, but it'll probably be a Wednesday night or some other time. But um, if you'd be interested in it, please let me know, because the surprise, surprise, the Bible does, it does talk about this kind of stuff. It just doesn't do it in language that we readily, it doesn't use the word UFOs, extraterrestrials. And so we don't think it's there. But no, it's there. So if you'd like more about that, let me know. Okay? Deal? Deal. Pretty weak. Deal. Okay, there we go. Um, it's a serious error to fail to recognize that God is behind all of life, all of life, and that his ways are consistent and he has ideas for our future and so forth. But if you look at this book, you will quickly figure that out. Tenth serious error of life, last one that I'll mention this morning, not the last one that's possible, the last one I'll highlight, is not putting your faith in Jesus who is God in flesh, who came to suffer and die in your place. You know, the Bible tells us really clearly, if you know your Bible, you will, I mean, there are plenty of people trying to dismiss this, but the fact is the Bible teaches really clearly that there's a real heaven and there's a real hell, and everyone, every individual who's ever committed a sin is in jeopardy of not going to heaven, but instead going to hell, because the day will come when the garbage heap of the universe is going to be hell, and everything and everyone who likes sin and has not put their faith in Jesus is going to be swept into this great incinerator is really what it is. And just because we maybe don't like that idea doesn't mean that it's not real. I may not like that gravity exists, but guess what? If I go walking off this platform without taking it into account, what happens to me? There's a consequence. The scriptures are really clear that these places exist. And in light of all the other things that God has done 
and has said and proved unequivocally throughout Scripture and history, we're wise to take seriously the teachings of Scripture on this stuff. And maybe this morning some of us need to look heavenward and say, you know, God, I've been quibbling with you over this, and it's not a matter of if hell exists, but just as Jesus says, when the resurrection occurs, he's saying, when the time for hell and heaven come, I want you to put, my, put your faith in me. That's what he's saying to all of us. When it happens, not if. So when you look heavenward, maybe this morning is the day you need to just say, Lord, I'm going I'm to stop quibbling with you. I'm going to trust what your word says. And I thank you for the power of the cross that has purchased my forgiveness. I humble myself. Cleanse me. Make me yours. Here I am. If you'll humble yourself in that way, the promise of Scripture is that your past will have no bearing on your future. Heaven will be yours. People have been making serious errors in life as long as there have been people, and there are consequences for what we don't know, don't believe about Scripture, about God. So i got to ask you, are you reading, studying, memorizing, and reflecting on your Bible? You're doing that. I mean, it's summertime. The temptation is to be all over the map. Take a vacation. But are you taking your Bible with you? It's one thing that's kind of nice about some of the Bible apps and that kind of stuff. Maybe you don't bring the book, but you got the app, and you can spend some time reflecting. Are you in a Bible study? We're in community with some others. You're reflecting through Scripture periodically, routinely. If you don't have a Bible of your own, look in the shelf in front of you in the chairs here in the room. You can see several Bibles there. Just take one of them. You can have it. It's our gift to you. If you're listening online, you don't have a Bible, you can email us at pastors at southwoods.org, and we will, I mean, we'll mail you one if you don't have a Bible. We want you to have a Bible. But I also got to ask you, are you seeking God for his power and presence to be demonstrated in your life? It is one of the key guardrails for life. It's not just what scripture says, but learning to walk with God day in and day out. And in the process, you, you begin to see God's presence and power reflected in your life. And if the Sadducees had been doing that, things would have played out a little differently for them. And in fact, we don't have time this morning. If we had time to go to Acts 6 and read that passage and look through what happens. When Jesus' power was demonstrated in the resurrection, you know who some of the very first to come to faith in Jesus were? Many of the Sadducees. What changed? They became acquainted with the power of God. And Acts 6 talks about that. There's a dramatic shift in their lives, just as God longs for a dramatic shift in ours as well. Is prayer part of your life? Have you tried fasting? If you feel like your prayer life is stuck? Do you believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Are you somehow in this worldview that, you know, God did these things back then, but he can't do it now? If God is God, if God could do it then, he can do it now. He's, God is God. 
Hebrews teaches that Jesus Christ is the, the exact same today, yesterday, today, and forever. The text actually says it. Do you believe it? Maybe you have sickness in your life. You need to pray that God would heal you. Yes, go to your doctor, but pray that he would heal you. Maybe you have somebody who's trapped in some sin. Pray that God will deliver them, believing to the core of your being that he can do this because the same God who parted the Red Sea can part the fear in your life and in the lives of other people. We just have to, we just have to move out of this neutral place that many are in our world of like, you know, the spirituality, it's sort of a nice thought. No, it's real or it's not. And if it's real, if this book is real, you better engage. Because our world's changing fast. You need it. I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me. We're going to close in prayer. You know, life's full of opportunities for error, but life is full of opportunities for change. And let's be honest, today represents one of those opportunities. For you to put your faith in Jesus an opportunity to chart a new course, an opportunity to, to take this book seriously, my encouragement to you is don't waste the opportunity. Don't waste the opportunity. Let's pray together. We'll be dismissed afterwards. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for joining us here in presence. And Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're merciful, you're gracious, that you meet us where we are. And Lord Jesus, we, we just want to invite you further into our lives. We ask for your cleansing. We ask for your transformation. We ask more of your presence and your power in our lives. Help this book to come to life in our minds and our hearts. Help us to understand it. But more than that, help us to live it with your Holy Spirit's participation in our lives. Father, for those of us who need to be baptized as an expression of our faith as you've taught us, I mean, you yourself, Jesus, told your disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You couldn't have been more explicit than you were. And maybe some of us this morning, either who are listening online or in present with us here this morning, need to be baptized as an expression of our individual faith, not the faith of our parents or somebody else significant in our lives, all of which is honorable but you've called us to express our faith ourselves. And so, God, if we need to do that, would you help us to summon the courage and the faith and the humility to just do it? Maybe some of us have got other issues going on in our lives, Lord. We need your help to help separate us from the entanglements of the past so that we can walk in new life going forward. Help us to forgive like you forgive. Help us to love like you love. And God, as you help us in these ways, we'll honor you, celebrate you, be grateful toward you, and do our best with your Spirit's help to bring others along the same path with us that their lives might be better too. Go with us now as we leave this place, and we thank you, thank you, thank you for your sacrifice. It's in Jesus' name we lift this prayer, and everybody agreed with me and said, Amen. Amen. Bless you guys.